meeting is being recorded did you hear that yeah (laughs) this meeting is being recorded that's how professional we are now guys we have automated robot people telling you when the show has started those automated robot people kind of freak me out have you ever uh on instagram or where you're watching a video and then it like it's like a robot voice telling you what the person is saying in the video like if, if you so I got, I can't say I got into it, but I do now have a TikTok account. And I saw those videos where they'll, like, it's an inspiring, like, video, a motivational video. And the robot person is, like, speaking or narrating the video. And it's just like, this is cute and all, but I'd rather have a person telling me this than an actual robot. I don't give a shit about a robot. Why is it a robot? I guess because they can easily, like, type what they want into, like, the text-to-speech feature. And then when they're doing editing, that they can just easily transmit that audio over the content that they've created. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Wow, that's complicated. I know way too much about this shit. (laughs) Well, welcome to the newest episode of Your Therapist Playlist. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome, everyone. We are on episode nine. I don't know anymore at this point. That's cool. I think it's not. It's cool. Because that means we've been recording consistent content for you guys and lost track about whether or not we hit the double digits or not. But chances are it's probably nine. I think it's nine. I'm pretty sure. Yep, nine. I just counted. (laughs) We're at nine, guys. We're at nine. Lucky number. Wait, no, 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 no. We're at... We're at 10. We're at 10, guys. Even better. Yeah, okay. 100% sure. This is episode 10. <laughs> Isn't it great how at first we were like, you know, hesitant, a little bit like nonchalant, like, yeah, it's episode nine. But then when 10, 10 came up, everything changed. Everything has changed. You're right. It's double digits. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Matt. I'm Anna. And this is your therapist playlist. How have you been? I've been good. It's been a busy week. I, I feel like my birthday just ended because we did stuff Saturday, we did stuff Sunday, we kind of did stuff Monday because uh, my husband didn't have to go to work. So I don't remember what we did on Monday, but Sunday we went to Texas Day Brazil, which was awesome. Okay. So steak. Yeah. It, it was great. What did you like most about your birthday? Probably the day that we all went out for dinner, the day you were there. That was probably the best day. We did a escape room earlier in the day, which if I knew that you had like never done one anymore, I would have. Because <laughs> I, I, I always have this thing where whenever I'm trying to plan something, I always think that nobody wants to do it. Yeah. That's like, that's always my first thought. Like, nobody's going to want to do this. This is a whole thing. And But yeah, we, we did it. It was so hard, though. It was really hard. From how you guys were telling me about it, I it sounded very fun, especially the type of why did I just blank on the name? Like the theme? Yeah. Yeah, the theme was awesome. The arcade theme. It yeah. was super cool. I, mean, I don't want to give spoilers because like if people do the escape room, you know, they don't want to you, you don't want to like ruin any surprises, but it was really, really cool. Yeah. Do they do escape rooms often like change the themes? Like and if they do, how often do they do it? I'm not sure. I feel like some switch out because there's like new, you know, new rooms. I don't know how often they do, though. I think it would be a lot of work. Well, it'd be like changing a whole set. Yeah. You know, for like a movie. But um, so I guess not too bad, but still a lot of work when you see if when you do an escape room and you see the detail that they put into them and like the multiple rooms and, and just, yeah, like sets. Yeah. I, I would imagine it would be a lot of work to change that out. Okay. But I know they do. So I, I don't know. Oh, Patrick and I were talking. Oh, Patrick, my husband, listeners don't know that. But anyway, Patrick and I were talking about how we think that they should do 
like theme parks should do escape rooms. So there should be like Star Wars escape rooms. Yeah. And Harry Potter escape rooms. And Harry Potter escape rooms, they could do different houses, you know, like a Slytherin, like escape from, I don't know, the Slytherin, whatever thing. <laughs> and then Star Wars. I, I thought, well, he said escape from the Death Star. I thought that would be cool where like Darth Vader's like getting closer and closer and you have to escape with a plan. So it's sort of like the thing for Rogue One, the movie, which yeah. I know, Matt, you're not a Star Wars fan, so you probably haven't seen it. You could do something like on the Millennium Fal- Falcon. You could do different types of there's like thousands of different types of Star Wars themed escape rooms you could do. So the way I'm perceiving it is like they're doing an update on the escape rooms that they already have. Those longest lines for those rides, we have to go into one room and then outside in the hallway and then back up to like the ramp and then back into another building and then you're in front of the ride. You're escaping everywhere you go. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's funny. I've never been to, I've actually never really been to a theme park, so I'm not sure how they look. What? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I went to the Six Flags once, okay. but I don't think that counts too yeah, much. That's amusing park. Yeah, I was also like, I don't know, twelve, and so I don't remember it very well. You haven't been to Six Flags since you were twelve. Yeah, no. <laughs> wow. I don't like roller coasters. <laughs> well, well, no, that that makes I understand that now. Wow, I love them. As an adult, I am fully conscious of the injuries and hurt that one could sustain and i'm still willing to try it out that's the funny part yeah i'm not i'm not much of a thrill (laughs) seeker i don't i don't seek the thrills i feel like i've had enough adrenaline adrenaline rushes just from work that i don't need to yeah (laughs) that's a really good point i've been noticing that about myself too like Anna and I have had like conversations about maturity and development and me just kind of like having all these new realizations. And that was one of the things I was thinking about over the last few weeks. Like, man, I feel like I'm not boring, but I do feel like I don't really chase after feelings like thrills anymore. And I wonder why. And I was just like, oh, I just equated to just maturing. No, I've just done a lot of shit. And now I'm like, I'm done. I'm tapped. Yeah. See, I think I hit that at like 20. Yeah. yeah, I'm just I'm just over it. Now I would like to go to Harry Potter World. I don't know what it's called. And I would like to go to Star Wars World, which I think is called Galaxy's Edge, and I think it's part of Disney World or Disneyland. Yep. I have no idea. But I'd like to do both of those. Beyond that, I don't really have any interest. I don't really have interest in like the rest of Disney World or anything. I mean, at this point, we're no, I won't say that because there's some adults that still have that desire. We, however, were at that point where it's just like, I'm just not really in the fantasy of it or the idealization of Disneyland. I just want to go someplace that would be really cool or Disney World. The Wizarding World of Harry Potter, that's what it's called. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I want to do that. But I want to do Star Wars Galaxy's Edge more than the Wizarding World. Vice versa, of course, for obvious reasons. Would I go to a Star Wars uh, theme park? Probably not, just because I just don't really have any interest. And I'm learning to actually be okay with that. (laughs) With certain, like, franchises, I will try to become more familiar and understand them, especially when I was younger, because there's something about becoming more self-aware about a popular franchise. Like, the conversations that you have with people of that fandom, you start to be able to speak a language that most people can't understand, but now I'm at that point where, again, I'm not chasing after the thrill. So I, I I could take it or leave it. Like, I'll watch a Star Wars movie and be like, oh, this is a really good one-off movie. But no, I don't know anything that connects to this. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about how I felt about Game of Thrones. I watched mm-hmm. it for a while. And then after that, I was, I was like, I know about it now. I know who the characters are. I know what the characters are like. And if someone was talking about it, I could join in. But... Am I going to seek it out on my own, be honest? Probably not. <laughs> we could have a whole conversation about fandoms. Maybe we will one day. But today we've got a very cool episode, I think. What do you think? I think it's cool. I think it's oh, really good. I didn't tell people. I don't think I told people I was doing. Did I share about how I was doing? Oh, how you were doing this week. No, yeah, yeah it's your turn. Go. <laughs> okay. I consciously make efforts to tell on myself now because when I was younger, people made an observation about how I wouldn't share anything about myself. And I was like, oh, who cares? 
And then I was like, no, that, that matters because you want to build connections with people. Weeks have been cool. I transitioned from my last place of employment and I'm going to be starting full time at a private practice uh, soon, just like I was mentioning before. Since I have this break time, I've just been, honestly, I've been really into deep cleaning my place, which I'm finding a lot more fulfillment with. Doing some nesting, decorating, putting more like pictures up, trying to figure out what I want to purchase in the future to make a certain, I guess, aesthetic that I like and I enjoy playing with my kittens more instead of them just like playing with toys and playing with themselves, fighting, kicking each other's asses, which I enjoy thoroughly because it's literally like watching Lion King. (laughs) And yeah, just trying to do active stuff every day, keep my health good. And I've been doing pretty consistent with it. So I'm happy about that. That's good. I've always found if I'm consistently active that, yeah, my mood is, is better too. You know, at least if I don't get a full jog in, at least attempting, at least once I hit that one mile, I'm like, okay. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know, like, once I hit that one mile mark, I'm like, okay, this was this was decent for today. I still have more of this run to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I continue, that's awesome. If I'm done now, then that's cool, too. Whatever, I'm going to go home. So, The one thing I can say for the listeners who haven't done therapy or don't really see the benefit of it, The one thing I can say as a practitioner and somebody who was in therapy is when you really, really get a really full understanding about how mental health impacts the human condition, you're able to notice how some things that you thought were inconspicuous actually say more about the level of mental health that you're experiencing. Like I was laying on my couch earlier and I was like, I don't really want to do anything today. I'm a bit tired this afternoon. And then I thought about it and I was like, huh this is probably what it was like when I was younger and had no awareness about how the impacts of depression keep me stuck and just laying down and not wanting to do anything because this feels really good right now. But then there's a lot of guilt that comes after this for not doing anything that I wanted to do. And then I was like, fine, let me get up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much, you You summed up the thought process. <laughs> yeah. And it's cool being able to think about that as an adult now. I mean, of course, as a kid, you wish you would have had that like level of insight. But what's the point of like blaming yourself when now you got it? Now it's time to use it. True, true. Yeah. So let's get started. What's today's episode about? Today is our Father's Day episode, I guess, I think. Right? Yes. (laughs) It is. This is for all the dads and father figures out there, both male and female, young and old. Male mentorship is very important. That is essentially another father figure role that men and women can step into to provide that for somebody who really needs it. And I think it's one of the coolest experiences that I've ever been a part of. Shout out to the mentors out there. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that too much. I I mean, it's something I do think about. I didn't really connect with today, but but today is just like our Mother's Day episode. We want to be inclusive. We want to make sure everybody's being recognized because it's that paternal support Mm -hmm. that we're talking about today. Yeah, something that is definitely needed in the world. Yes, yes. I forgot who's up first today. I can't remember who went first last. Me? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I did the uh, Jaman interview. Shout out to Jaman. Oh, oh, wow. I don't know if that counts. I guess, I guess we can count that. No, I think you did go first for the Mother's Day episode, too. Oh, well, there we go. Look at that. Yeah, I think you did. I think you did. Okay. Anyway, so I guess it's my turn to go first. So my song that I... Okay. First of all, I don't want any haters hating on my horrible, horrible pronunciations of every <laughs> anything and everything that I talk about today. Okay? Because... My Spanish is awful. I'm trying to learn. I was taking tutoring, but I take a break from tutoring because of personal reasons. I just have had a lot of appointments and things I've had to do lately, so I haven't been able to schedule my next lesson. But yes, my Spanish is bad. I'll shoot you some bail too. This is a song that I definitely will butcher and fuck up for many, many obvious reasons. I said I sent you English translations for that reason, but also for myself. (laughs) I read them and I was like, hold on, before we start, tell me why when I was looking at the lyrics and listening to the song, I heard the guy say Hermosa and I'm looking in the English lyrics to find it. And I'm realizing like, wait, no, Matt, you're looking for something in Spanish. Why are you looking at it on the English side? 
That's funny. Yeah, it's uh, really called like decoding. Yes. Decoding. Now I'm looking at where it does say we didn't even we didn't even introduce the song yet, Matt. We can't. <laughs> I was too excited. Getting so deep because I'm self conscious. <laughs> okay? I'm self conscious of my bad pronunciations of things, so I just know they're gonna be wrong. So anyway, 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 my song choice for this lovely Father's Day episode is Guadalajara. Yeah, I did not roll that R, and I don't know if I was supposed to roll that R. I'm learning that in my tutoring. Anyway, Guadalajara, bye. Wait, what? you can learn how to roll your R's in Spanish class? It's not about learning how to roll your R's, Matt. It's about learning when to roll your R's. Of course, but will you be <laughs> able to learn that? Uh, I think he tries to help. I'm not, I'm not great at it. But, I, but I'm not great at it, but I'll try if I know that I'm supposed to, like when I'm supposed to. I kind of want to start now. I want to say it's when there's two R's. Okay, I want to say it's when there's two R's that you roll it, but I could be it could be the complete opposite or also not even correlated. I have no idea. Anyway, I always just say Guadalajara. So there's that. Anyway, that's the song Guadalajara. And I'm ch- I am focusing on the Vicente Fernandez version. Uh, this song has been done by many people. It was written by Pepe... <sighs> Kisar. Yep. I'm going to pronounce it that way. It says, written and composed by Pepe Kisar in 1937. Wrote the song in honor of his hometown. So, yes, Guadalajara is a city in Jalisco, Mexico. Jalisco is where my dad's from. My dad's from Ocotan in Jalisco. How far away is that from Guadalajara? I'm not sure. I think it's not too far. Definitely drivable because I've done it. So <laughs> it's not it's not too far. But so, so I've been to Guadalajara. I've seen it. I've heard this song my whole life. I say whole life because I probably heard it when I was an infant and, and didn't even remember. But Vicente Fernandez was also my first concert. Okay. My very, very first concert. And I think I was probably four. <laughs> I was really little. And it was at a huge... Okay, I was I was like four, so memory could be not quite. But I remember that it was a huge venue. I remember it was. I remember that my brother and my dad had to go back to the car because when you went in, you had to go through metal detectors, and they both had pocket knives. Oh, so I remember that they had to go back and put those back in the car, and then come back in. I remember there being horses. Yeah. Which I feel like is right because for Vicente Fernandez Joe's, my mom tells me that Alejandro Fernandez was there. So that's Vicente Fernandez's son. So it was like a father son tour, which is also common. So I remember parts of it, but that was my first concert experience. This song, I've also heard my dad sing this song. He has a great voice, by the way. I like hearing him sing. He doesn't sing too often. So my dad is like, late 60s mm. so let's see the song came out in the 30s so it's, he's had it around his whole life too and he likes the song i've heard it sang at weddings i've heard it sang at birthday parties i've heard it sang at family events it's just kind of an integral part of life i suppose for me but also matt as i was researching the song i didn't know that elvis presley had did a he sang it and also um Nat King Cole, Nat Cole. Yeah. He sang it. Both versions I really liked. I'm not gonna lie, I kinda liked Nat King Cole's better <laughs> than Elvis's. Elvis was good, okay. But when I when you listen to Elvis's version, it sounds like he's trying to sing opera. Yeah. It sounds very like he's singing and pronouncing the Spanish in a very Italian way. So it sounds like he's like singing opera music and uh, Nat King Cole sang it with a little bit more, I don't know, like authenticity. Mm. So I liked his version a lot. Uh, a lot. A lot of people cover this. But anyway, the lyrics, Matt and I have both looked at the lyrics in Spanish and English. When you were thinking, when you were saying Hermosa, I was looking back through. I'm like, where's that even at in the song? Towards the end. Oh, beautiful Guadalajara. Yeah. So if you, you if you look at the the lyrics, I mean, it's just like so much love for his city. But he talks about the culture. He talks about the people. He talks about I guess <laughs> the vibes, mm. as the kids would say. There's mentions <laughs> of just what it means to him, what it feels like to be there. He talks about the birria. 
there I'm going to try to roll that R a little bit. Now, birria is a, um, it's meat. It's usually goat. So it's kind of a, like a big dish in Jalisco, particularly Jalisco. It's like a stewed meat. It's usually goat. Yeah. Sometimes they make it with beef. But my dad loves that. He loves it. I think it's his favorite food. He's obsessed with it. He likes goat. I don't like goat. I don't like anything with goat. I don't like goat cheese. I don't like goat meat. And every time of my entire existence of my life, he always offers it to me. <laughs> He's always like, Anna, don't you want birria? Oh, Anna, you gotta try this cheese. It's the best cheese. And I'm like, that is a goat. <laughs> well, yeah, it's goat. But he acts like every time, like it's like something new to me. Like, <laughs> oh, this. And, and sometimes I will try it because every once in a while, like I'll never just like completely turn something down. Yeah. I'll eat a little bit of it, but I'm not going to go off on my own and order goats. Have you had goat meat, Matt? I was just thinking about it. I don't think I have. I've had lamb, so maybe that'll be next up on my list. It's similar. Do you like lamb? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, you'd probably like goats. Oh, sorry, goat. You'd like goats, man. You'd, you'd probably like birria. Usually, so it's kind of like stubby, okay? Mm. But you get the meat, and then my dad just makes it into tacos. You just eat. Or you could just get the tacos straight, yeah. birria tacos. I don't know. He's just obsessed. So I got it for him for his birthday. Anytime he comes up here, there's a place by me that he likes to get it at, so he'll get it. But my dad, my dad loves Mexico. <laughs> he loves Mexico. It's just a huge part of his life. I think if he could be living there right now, he would. <laughs> his life in Mexico was not bad. He didn't have, okay, I'm not going to say he didn't have a tra- tragic story because that's a complete lie. It yeah, was I'm awful. Say, I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he, but he wasn't living in poverty. <laughs> so, uh, like, yes, there was, you know, death and murder and all kinds of, you know, things. I thought, he's, I thought you were going to say it. Yeah. Help firm, form, <laughs> help, help, you know, help form a person. Yeah. Um, but to him, it's like the way he talks about it is just like, you know, the beauty of where he lived and. I don't know. Every time he's just talked about Mexico ever since I was a kid, it just made me think of like the Wild West. Like, well, first of all, in the sense that there's no, there's no like law. He's yeah. out there. Everybody's ever every man for themselves. And, you know, you take care of your family. And even as a kid, I didn't even think that there were police in Mexico. I didn't think that that was part of it. Like, I just literally in my mind envisioned just the Wild West. Because there was horse. Because as a kid, it's like when you hear, I hear him talk about it. I hear horses. I hear guns. I hear, you know, this and that. And so I'm just thinking, like, oh, you know, you're just living out life out there. You know, you just you, it's you versus everybody else. So yeah, that's why everyone's so family oriented. Mm-hmm. You know, community oriented because you guys all gotta protect each other and take care of each other. Well, my dad grew up on a ranch. So music and music is a huge part of his life too. He loves ranchero music. That's his music. She's a it's similar to mariachi but i don't know it's a little different more like closer to like country music it's like our country music so i've heard that my whole life uh not just vicente fernandez but all the artists that my dad listens to i've heard it my whole life and he loves to sing while he's while he's listening to music i mean he sorry when itunes came out and like ipod ipad iPods, that what we used to call them. <laughs> iPods came out. He wanted one too. And he had me like fill his iPod, which is tons of, of Ranchero music, a little bit of Johnny Cash, a little Billy Willie Nelson. That's about as far as he goes with English music. He likes Johnny Cash a lot, but uh, so I'd fill that up. And I mean, he listens to music probably as much as I do to be honest. Hmm. And he's always researching, like looking up music. He looks up YouTube videos of music. He likes concerts. Uh, him and my mom went to see Santana on, uh, before COVID. So I don't know. I, I think I kind of get some of my love of music from him. Uh, my mom likes music a lot too. She likes like Journey. She likes concerts, but he's the one that I know is just always listening and always researching where my mom likes to listen to music to like enjoy it. She likes to listen to music to clean. She likes music is sort of a background thing, right? She'll enjoy concerts, but she likes the background of it where my dad's more active. Like what is Vicente Fernandez's new album out? I want to hear that, you know, more, more research oriented. So, yeah. So I picked the song just because it completely reminds me of him. It reminds me of Mexico I like thinking of Mexico because I've seen where my dad grew up. 
I've been to his house. I've been to the ranch. I've, you know, met my family. So I've, I've experienced a little bit of it myself. And I thought it was beautiful, but I think what was most meaningful is seeing how happy my dad was when he's there or how he is when he's there, you know, um, happy, confident, just at home, you know. So, yeah, he had a he had a good experience growing up in Mexico for the most part. All right, Matt. Yeah, let's leave leave out all of the (laughs) horrible traumas that seem to have not affected him at all. Uh, no, actually, no. I think by this time in his <laughs> life, I'm not even going to say seem, they did not affect him at all. No impact. Zero impact. Um, they had his... Or they were fully resolved prior to your birth. Yeah, or maybe resolved early on. I don't know. And he only came to the U.S. I don't know if I've told you this, but he came to the U.S. because he wanted to buy a truck. Okay, because his brother, his oldest brother was like the head of the family at that time because his dad had passed away. So he wanted the truck. His brother wouldn't buy him the truck. So him and his other brother, who's just a little old, who's closer in age, was like, all right, we're going to leave then. We're going to go get one in the U.S. because we can we can do whatever we want. And back then, it was not hard to come to cross the border legally. Yeah, It wasn't a big deal, like in the 70s. So um, so my dad was like really easily got his his paperwork and came over and came up to Chicago because his sister was already in Chicago. He got, I don't know if he even ever bought the truck. But anyway, when he got <laughs> up here, he went on a double date because his, I don't know if it was his brother or cousin. No, I don't think it was his brother. I think it was like one of his cousins wanted to date one of my mom's cousins. And so they wanted to do a double date. And so they did. And that's how my mom and dad met. And my mom said she thought that my dad was like, um, he put too much grease in his hair. She was like, he's too focused on his hair. (laughs) And then they went out and my mom's Spanish was good. I don't think it was perfect, Yeah. but it was pretty good. And uh, they had their first date and then he was supposed to leave, I think, like the next week. And then he decided to stay and then they went on a second date. Mm. And then he was supposed to leave after that. And then they like went on another date. And then six months later, he was still there. And he asked her to be his girlfriend. My mom's Spanish, like I said, wasn't great. She thought she, or no, he had, no, he had proposed. Oh, shit. And she, she, her Spanish was not good. And so she thought he was asking her to be his girlfriend. And she said, yeah, because she's like, I thought we were already dating. Like, I thought you, I thought I was your girlfriend, you know? And so she said, like, yes. And then she said when she got home, because her cousin was in the car with them, she got home and her cousin was like, oh, my God, aren't you so excited? Like, you guys are getting married. And my mom was like, wait, what? No, I'm not. We're not getting married. What? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, you don't understand. That's what he asked you in the car. And you, and you said, yeah. And my mom's like, no, I did not say yes. She's like, I thought he asked if we were dating. And I said, yeah, we're dating. Oh, my gosh. And then um, they ended up getting married anyway. (laughs) Both of those stories sound like two sides of who I know you as. Your dad just deciding, you know, I'm just going to go get a truck in America. That sounds like you. And then (laughs) the reactiveness of not realizing like, holy shit, this is a whole big thing. That reminds me of you from your mom. That those two stories remind me of you as who I know you as. Oh man, that's exactly how I live my life. I make huge life decisions in like zero seconds. I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) with no thought. It's just kind of like, oh yeah, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. (laughs) <laughs> and, then, and then that's it like okay i'm doing it now um and then later <laughs> like years later i'll be like oh wow i really signed myself up for a lot but whatever is <laughs> what it is yeah i do like to make decisions like that i my dad and i are very very similar i think whatever qualities that he has or however it was that he is able to like be super friendly functional (laughs) human that's just living life as if he's never experienced any type of trauma because it's just zero effect I don't know some of that had to pass on to me because I feel like that's part of how I can be a good therapist just not I don't know like you like uh you might be able to help me out here but it's like you know recognizing things as they happen being empathetic but then not uh sponging it all in you know it's like rational this happened I like to talk about it I like to process it. I like to talk about things way more than my dad does yeah but he's also not opposed to talking about anything 
he will and he he does like talking to he'll talk to his brothers and sisters forever but oh he also loves gossip (laughs) (laughs) so i'm not gonna get into this conversation too much but i think we all know men love gossip men just don't want to actively speak on liking gossip because it makes us seem less masculine but we (laughs) all do it let's let's just i'm that's that's as far as i'm gonna go sorry man who might get mad at me call me like beta male or cuck it's the truth bro it's the fucking truth it's true it's true because my brother likes gossip too and but my dad is my dad's the worst though because he'll tell (laughs) my mom mom always be like because i'll like tell my mom something and i know she's gonna tell my dad because they're like best buddies but i'm always like oh you tell dad tell dad not to tell people because he's like he just tells people right away he doesn't he doesn't think about it just he loves the gossip but um (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i don't know we're very similar i think we we both handle anger the same way it's kind of like a really slow buildup, but um it can be like explosive (laughs) when i've never really seen my dad mad i would say maybe like geez probably two or maybe two times in my life have I seen him like actually get angry and like raise his voice but it's like so such a short spurt you know and then he's like kind of talking he's talking or he'll like walk outside and then like but he's like talking about it I've never seen anything bad he's never gotten mad at me I've in my entire life I've never seen him be angry with me <laughs> so <laughs> at least I've, and, and like the way he talks about me when I was a baby too he's like he's like yeah he's like you were a really good baby you never cried you never threw tantrums you never did any and I'm always like is that just his perception but <laughs> my mom says the same thing though so because she because my brother which I've mentioned in the Mother's Day episode my brother was like that third parent so my mom says it's like you had three parents at like all times so you never needed anything or wanted anything you know you were just constantly being taken so there was no reason for you to cry or like throw a tantrum about anything you know the, the only thing I wish that my dad and I could do more is I, I wish I could speak Spanish. <laughs> I wish I could speak Spanish. Um, but he didn't teach me. My mom didn't teach me. They focused on like building his English up. Mm-hmm. His English is good. I mean, he's been here for 45 years, but I just think he, he's just never really... It's been the same. I swear to you, Matt. It's been the same my whole life. There's been zero improvement. <laughs> he still like does not care about like um, gender pronouns. Yeah, they don't exist to him. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so he's been way ahead of everyone else for years. <laughs> what do you like? He just he doesn't he doesn't use them correctly like correctly or he could be referring to my brother but he'll be like oh and then she said this or he just (laughs) doesn't he doesn't it's just not a thing that he thinks about or he'll just say like it or they like i said he's ahead of the times he just skips them yes i remember when the whole pronoun thing started to really really become more of a conversation not when it hit its height but when it started to become a conversation and I would just default to they, them, there, all that. I'm not, I don't know what's going on. I can tell something's changing, but you're not getting me. I'm not fucking up in this conversation anymore. Yeah, I know. I never want to mess up. So I, was like, I try to do the same thing, but I'm thinking like my dad was ahead of all of this way before. <laughs> they should build a statue of him for <laughs> all of the civil rights issues having to do with like sexuality. He can be at the forefront. Um, they can <laughs> this was the guy. He started it all. He did. He did. He's uh, he's always been that way. He also, I mean, he does, like you were talking about, he just translates everything in his head, but sometimes he just doesn't care. So we drove past the Cheesecake Factory, right? Yeah. And um, so we drive past the, which clearly says on there, the Cheesecake Factory. And then my dad looks at it and he says, oh, it's cheese and cake. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, okay. <laughs> He's like, we can go to the cheese and cake after we eat. And I'm like, all right, dad. I'm like, so I feel like he just doesn't He's like, not, he's like, I'm not even going to read all that. <laughs> he's like, I see two words there, whatever. But that's the funny part because he made it longer. <laughs> yeah. And cake. It's the cheese and cake. Well, there's no cake. Well, there might be cake there. There's probably cake there. But cheese and cake are separate entities. But he was still excited about it. <laughs> so. <laughs> I want to call it that now, the cheese and cake factory. Yeah, cheese and cake. 
<laughs> Sorry mean, for all the potential single women out there. If I go out on a date with you and you recommend that, oh, the cheese and cake factory? What? Exactly. <laughs> this is the cheese and cake factory. It just makes sense. But yeah, my dad, if I had to like sum up what kind of father he is, I would say he's very real. I don't know. Like, I feel like I could talk to him about anything if I really needed to. Mm-hmm. He's just, he's laid back. He's not, he doesn't get emotional about things, at least in any conversation I've ever had with him. Not emotional, just very logical. I think he's always thinking about me, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> to a fault of like, what's best for for me out of any type of situation where I'm kind of like, uh, no, maybe we, we kind of have to think about other people in this scenario. Yeah. No, that doesn't exist to him. <laughs> just, so I would say that's how he's just very real. His advice for me, and I think I mentioned this in another episode for dating, was like, oh, before you start dating, you need to have your own house and your own car. Yeah. And you don't <laughs> you don't need to rely on anybody else. Like, don't rely on anybody else. He's also said, like, family is, is number one. Family is who you can trust. You know, boyfriends, girlfriends, come and go. Family is number one. That's That's always been instilled in me. Now that I'm married, it's like, you know, he considers my husband my family now and part of his fam- his family as well. Yeah. I think he does see my my husband as a, as another son. I think he does. He really enjoys being around Patrick. I know Patrick likes being around him. So I'd say my dad's very welcoming as well. But it's like once you're in the circle, <laughs> you know, like once you're in, then you're in, you know, no matter what. Doesn't matter who you are, whatever, whatever. Once you're in, you're in, you know. Yeah. But Prior to that, it's just kind of like, eh, I don't know who you are. <laughs> I understand that completely. I feel like it's not how I default in my life when it comes to relationships at times. Like, I know when I used to be at, like, certain jobs, it would be easy to establish, like, a group within that job. But then when you get a new person in your department or your team, it's like, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll see how this we'll see how this goes. Yeah. But he's always he's always been supportive. I I wish that we could communicate more, but I just feel like you know he's always been there for me, and I like being around him because everyone I know likes being around him. All my friends have always liked being around him. People like his cooking. He's a good cook. He likes cooking. He's he likes he likes food <laughs> he likes mexican food it's all he makes man it's all he makes dude <laughs> i'd always be like can i have a hamburger <laughs> you don't eat hamburgers you can make tacos <laughs> but yeah people like his food he's just really just kind of just kind of chill kind of quiet but yeah the song i picked definitely makes me think of him is always gonna make me think of him it's always gonna make me think of my family and yeah of mexico i mean it is a beautiful country I enjoyed visiting. I'd like to go again. Yeah, and Vicente Fernandez is like super old. How old is he? I have no idea, but he's he's got to be ancient. He's gonna be like ninety something. Let's. I would think he is. He was born in nineteen forty. Oh, he's definitely older than my dad. He's eighty-one years old. Eighty-one. Okay, he's actually younger than I thought. <laughs> I think my aunt is actually older than him. So, <laughs> yeah, he's not that old. Alejandro Fernandez must not be too old either. Who? His son, Alejandro. He's his son is fifty years old. That man is. Uh, I'm married, so I'm not gonna talk about it. <laughs> but but most women love Alejandro Fernandez. I'm just gonna say that. Except her. Yeah, except me. I don't like him. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> he's average. He's horrible. He's average. <laughs> he's disgusting. Really average, but. So that's, that's, that's me, Matt. Okay. What do you got? Well, for myself with the song, again, hard for me to really do what I normally do. I didn't really think how much of a language barrier would impede my ability to really get into a song, but eh, it happens. I feel like we all have our intricacies when it comes to content we try to absorb. I did like the overall energy of the song itself, not too down for me it seemed like a very like upbeat tempo the lyrics in itself i kind of got the message that it was more so of a tribute song to this area that he really has a lot of love and respect for and admiration what i really liked about this song in the segment that you did was just how i could just tell how much how much effort you put into thinking about this song as a selection and also how much of a connection you and your dad have that's all i can say 
Yeah, it's a song. It's definitely a song that, like I said, is always going to be meaningful. For me, it's always going to make me think of him, especially thinking of him singing it. If I can find that, I'll upload that to YouTube. I'm going to have Patrick work on it because you got to get my my uncle is like trying to sing over him. They have a whole thing. I don't want to talk about it. But my uncle's also like 90. So it's just, you know, you just like ignore it. But anyway, if I can get Patrick to take out his voice trying to sing over my dad, I'll upload that on YouTube. You sing. Can I sing? No. Me and my mom cannot sing. We don't have any tone whatever at all. <laughs> we'll see we should have it we should have a special episode oh my gosh no it's so <laughs> bad i'm so bad i'm hoping that maybe my future children will be able to sing maybe like my dad maybe my little niece she loves singing she makes up her own songs which i think is pretty good for it too <laughs> or no now she's three but anyway she she makes up the lyrics we're like whoa yeah it makes sense <laughs> so all right, now it's my go. I need to be more mindful and actually think of songs that I would probably want to use to tribute my parents. I just find like very good songs having to do with these holidays. Um, with this one in particular, so I was thinking to myself, all right, well, what's a what's a what's a dad song that I can go with? And could have went with Eminem, but no, nah, I didn't want to. So I went with Nas. Um, Nas's daughter's song. This was a song that I thoroughly enjoyed not only because of the content within the song, but essentially this song is a culmination of his entire career up until this point. So Nas, if you don't know, he is a hip hop rap artist. He more so hit the scene, I think back in the early nineties with the freestyle that he did. And then he dropped one of the most classic albums, Illmatic of all time. And on that album, he put out this one song called One Love. And in one of the verses of that song, he talks about, he well, he more so spends a tale about him being in jail and him writing to this girl, you know, asking her to be loyal to him while he's kind of in jail, just kind of locked up and not able to really attend to his needs and wants. Of course, this is a story, but it's all, all again, a culmination of his career because in the daughter's song, it was put out after a huge controversy emerged within his life. If you don't know Nas, he has his first child, girl, daughter, her name's Destiny. And at certain points in like his music, he would praise her, give tribute to her, talk about how special she is. So if you were a hip hop fan, you knew that he was always going to show love to her. When she started to hit adolescence though, of course, you know, you want to start to develop a sense of identity and establish autonomy in your life. And the internet is a very powerful thing. You can just share all sorts of information about yourself that maybe you might choose to do differently as you get older. I think everybody has had that experience before in life. Her too. At one point on Twitter, she shared a image of her with an open box of condoms. And it was just very, very jaw-dropping because, again, on one hand, this is Nas's daughter. We've only known her as a fixture of his music. Now we're seeing her as a newly emerged young adult, letting the world know that, hey, I'm not a kid anymore. And even though that maybe wasn't her intention to communicate, it's what most people picked up on. And it was interesting seeing how he responded to that situation, because I think at one point there was some shaming that maybe happened either behind the scenes or in like an interview or something like that. But then the song was released to talk about what it was like for him as a father to come to that realization that one, my child is no longer a child anymore. Two, my daughter is no longer just my daughter anymore. She's a young woman. Three, she's going to make choices that I can't do anything about because I'm just her dad. And as much as I've tried to protect her, to guide her along the way, she's now at this point where she's going to be making decisions. And how do I reconcile that still as her father? Like I can't control her. However, there are certain things that I have to be mindful of in being her father and also reconciling my personal self boundaries with her values, her needs and her wants. So I thought that was just something that was so cool because, again, you have one love where he's telling the story about, you know, hey, baby, can you just stay, you know, stay down while I'm in jail until I get out? And then you have a whole slew of songs of Nas both praising his love for women, talking about how special, how important they are, how much he desires to find that one woman 
And then, of course, you got the Uchiwalis. You got a whole bunch of fun, fun songs that are now problematic today that Morris will talk about objectifying women. They big up his player role as far as how he would often attract women because of what he offers as an artist, how physically attractive he is to some women and all that stuff. And then he also put out a song called Papa Was a Player talking about where he got some of these traits from his own father, Destiny's grandfather. So I just thought it was a really, really Wow, Chef's Kiss Catch 22, because now you get to put out this song that essentially is a full circle song that says, damn, this is how much of an impact my actions, my words, my movements can have a correlate on how my children are raised. I think when it comes down to, I'm not a parent, obviously, just a pet parent. And even in being a pet parent, I'm learning that as you continue to grow with your children, you start to realize that the way you lived life previously now has to accommodate the identities and lives of somebody else that don't have the lived experiences that you do. You can't safeguard people for the entirety of your life. What you can do is try to set a very strong example of how they can be mindful and conscientious of the things that they need to be conscientious of. Hey, don't die. Here's how you avoid death. Hey, don't get severely injured. Here's how you avoid getting severely injured. Hey, don't be too promiscuous. It's fun. Here's why you don't want to do that. And I feel like in the song itself, when it comes to listening to it, you get into this reflective state when it comes to the beat, how it's introed, how hard hitting his flow is at certain points in the song, where he's not trying to specifically like project the message out, but convey what his experiences have been like and how he's reflected on what it's been like to be a single male moving through life, a single male who is a single parent too, and having to balance both being a parent who idealizes his child, who probably vice versa idealizes him, but now we have this now big developmental, I guess, event that we have to now look at. And at this point in this song, it's like, shit, this legit reminds me, I'm speaking as I'm Nas, this reminds me of the quote, the sins of the father shall be visited upon the son or child in this case. I mean, if you going around being a Rolling Stone and just having sex with everybody in one point, idealizing and then devaluing people, specifically women, because things don't really go the way that either of you want to because nobody's compatible, oftentimes it's all about building that compatibility, then yeah, you're going to have a huge reality check. And that's what I feel like I like about this song the most. It is a huge reality check for single fathers, for Nas himself, for young women, for women who are single mothers. It's a huge reality check for the fan base in itself because it's like, damn, she's not little anymore. And as much as we want to be on this artist's side, there are no sides in this. It's just about him realizing that there's a huge chain that needs to be make, made. And I still love her. I'm her father. I'm always going to carry this affection towards her. It's just about redefining how I do that. And I feel like that is something that is a worthwhile conversation to have at any point, whether you are a parent, whether you've been a parent for 25 years, 20 years, 10 years, or if you don't even think about having children or if you have a desire to have it, realizing the kind of significance it has to sacrifice your full independence and start to shift towards interdependence making sure that you are helping people to grow, but you're not stifling them just because of the way that you perceive things and how you want to live life. I think we talked a little bit about that in the Mother's Day episode as well. Mm -hmm. If you remember about that component of parenting where part of it is teaching your child to be more autonomous. But I've been talking uh, uh, with this a lot with some of my clients lately because my clients are you know, older teens or young adults and um, talking about that as they grow, ideally, the parent grows with them. Yeah. In the most like effective parent-child relationship, the parent needs to grow with the child. It's like, yeah, you're not changing as much developmentally as your kid is, but, but you, need to, you need to change what that relationship looks like with your kid as they grow. Mm -hmm. I think that's what you were talking about in kind of what's going on with the song a little bit is that that realization, you know? 
what it looks like to be protective and to be supportive changes. Mm -hmm. When you have a toddler, being (laughs) protective is physically grabbing them and stopping them from trying to stick their little finger into an outlet or something like that or putting their hand on a hot stove. You know, that's a like physical run, pick them up and grab them. Now, when they're older, you can't do that. You know, so it's it's got to change. You got to adapt with your kid. Let me tell you about Artemis. <laughs> I was making my stove. I was making ribs in my stove. This little girl just crawled. Well, she didn't crawl. She walked up. She sat there by my stove, looked at me as I was pulling this hot, large piece of rib out, and then she wanted to put her hand on the stove. I yelled at her so fast. She ran off, super skittish. Yeah, maybe it would have been traumatizing for her to get burned. I'd rather her be traumatized by me yelling at her. Now, maybe in a year from now when I can't help that, well, I probably still yell. Yeah, you can't just like let it happen. Yeah. But there are, that is a parenting thing now. Natural consequences. Natural consequences, yes, yes. <laughs> but um, like if they fall off a couch that you're trying to crawl, climb up, natural consequences. Yeah, yeah, as long as it's not like too bad. But yeah. But yeah, and I feel like a lot of parents struggle (laughs) with that transition Mm -hmm. because, well, you go from having so much control to an extent. So, I mean, for example, it's kind of a joking situation, but um, I was taking the girls out shopping and the little one comes out and she's like fully dressed in purple, like different shades. She loves purple. And the older one was like, she's wearing too much purple. And I'm like, it it doesn't matter. And well, she's wearing too much purple. So you got to make her change. (laughs) You need to tell her she needs to change before we leave. And the little one's just like looking at me. And and I I said, well, purple's her favorite color. I'm like, I can't tell somebody they can't wear a color. Like that's odd, but it's, it's just funny because it's like that, it's that power dynamic, right? Where the older one's thinking, you know, she knew I wasn't going to do it, but might try, try, you know, well, you have the power to like, tell us what we can and can't wear or, you know, things like that. And to me, it's like absurd. I'm, I'm never going to tell somebody they can't wear a color. Well, unless it's some sort of like gang related, bad situation sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> like, to the South Side of Chicago. No, that's too much. Way too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know the whole situation. I'm going to tell somebody they're wearing too much purple. But so that changes as a parent that changes as when you have a baby and you're dressing them and you're deciding what they wear, you're deciding what they eat. I mean, even right now with my stepkids, it's just, I mean, right before we started uh, recording, my husband's like, well, what are we going to have the kids have for lunch? And the kids were looking at the calendar and you didn't write anything on the calendar. So it's like you have that much control starting out, right? But you need to like relinquish that as your kids get older because you're not going to be deciding what they eat every day you're not going to be deciding where you guys go what they do what all of those decisions it's like they gotta go but some people struggle letting go of those is what i'm getting at for some parents that's hard i mean i'm only a step parent so for me right now i'm i'm just kind of like why do i have to make all these decisions yeah (laughs) i don't really want to but so i don't think i'm gonna have that difficulty of not having to anymore i'm like okay cool they can decide on their own what they're gonna eat and that's great but some people lose that because with having that sense of control there's a sense of security and that oh okay i know my kid's safe it's either they struggle to let go they struggle with helping their children transition to autonomy they struggle with identifying well when is the appropriate time to let go yes or they struggle with even creating that structure to begin with because i know i didn't have that (laughs) like i remember when i was younger there wasn't like a calendar or anything like that or schedule it was just hey this is what is going to be made you do you want thing else and it's like no and then after a certain point, it's like, you know what? I'm tired of being asked to what I want because what I want, it's probably not here. I'm not saying this to my parent, of course. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to learn how to make it myself. That's it. That's nice. <laughs> you could make it yourself. Well, here it's like with four kids. Yeah. 
everybody kind of wants different things and not everyone's always in agreement so it's better to just have the decision made but right now it's because they're kids and they're not really cooking for themselves yet yeah i'm trying i want to teach the i told the boys literally yesterday that i'm going to show them how to make a pizza in the oven but not the way that their dad likes us to make because we he likes to put it directly on the rack i don't feel comfortable having see okay there's already (laughs) i don't feel comfortable having them do that because the way i learned and i started cooking for myself a lot younger than they are but i would always use uh like a cookie sheet or something else that i can grab to get it in and out of the oven earlier and we have a little pizza pan that has handles and so i told them that if they're gonna make it they're gonna use that i'm not having them putting it directly on the the rack because i don't want them to burn themselves especially when they're learning. But anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> but see, it's, it's a little bit, you know, you, you give a little bit of room to kind of make sure it's safe and then you go from there, but you got to do it. Yeah. That's the part. You got to do it. You can't just be like, I'm not going to teach my kids how to cook at all. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I like about the song the most to transition back because we, you know, go off on, well, I know I do, I go off on tangents. We do go off on tangents. Yeah. <laughs> this song, I think, definitely encapsulates what it means to realize I gotta let my kid do their own thing, even if I disagree with certain things that they say or do in life. Like, even in the first verse, he talks about how when he realized that his daughter, I guess, was dating this guy who was in jail at the time, wanted to get pissed off, but was like, if I get pissed off, I'm going to push her away. And then she's just going to prime herself into a more messed up situation where she feels like she doesn't have my support, which may lead to further consequences. I don't want that. So let me just talk to her because, again, I'm the guy who put out one love. I'm the guy who put out Uchiwali. I'm the guy who talked about having sex with multiple artists and fans and other celebrities. This is to be expected, not just because these are my sins and I'm getting karma for them. This is just a facet of life. Like things change. We find ourselves in more adult situations. And as a father, it is my obligation to help maneuver my child in the best way possible without shaming her. Because the internet is, again, a powerful thing and will shame the fuck out of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Internet, great and horrible. Yeah. All right. That's all I got for Nas's daughters. Next year, I'm going to step it up and be maybe a little more personal with songs I select. Yeah. You didn't talk about your dad at all. (laughs) I think that's also a subconscious personal choice. Like, I feel like with certain relationships, I want to keep them private. And then other relationships, I have no problem with, like, talking about. I feel like that's that's a that's an okay boundary to have for now. Just this is the relationships that I have. This is what I want to talk about. And this is what I want to keep private. Like if it's a romantic one and I feel comfortable with my partner and she's comfortable with like opening up and me talking about the stuff, then I'll talk about it. If it's something that I want to just keep to myself, I want to keep it to myself. For sure. Yeah. Did you have a rec? We have to go to our recommendations. I did. But of course, I'll let you go first because... I I obviously know mine. I'm just pulling it up so I can go over it real quick in my mind. Yeah. Oh, wow. Sure, sure, sure. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I just did the same thing. So (laughs) I had to think about what, well, because I still wanted to relate it to my dad and I don't want to just pick a random song. So I was thinking, I don't know how to say this artist's name. I think it's Laney, L-A-N-Y. L-A-N, yeah. It's all caps. I mean, I listen to a lot of his music, but I've never just thought about how do I pronounce that? But he has a song called Cowboy in L.A. I like it. <laughs> it's an older song. I mean, not super old. Like probably came out this year or last year at the latest. But I like it. it. It reminds me of my dad. See, a big thing for me with my dad is his relationship with my mother. Mm-hmm. So when I think about my dad, that's it's always him and her, you know, and they're always together. I even told my husband the other day, like my dad's probably ideal world would just be him and mom and the their little dog and they'd be living on the ranch in Mexico. Yeah. And that would be perfection to him. Not that my dad doesn't love us, but it's just that's kind of his happy place, you know, he'd like us coming to visit him and everything like that. But, but he likes just being with my mom and it's a little bit, well, not I don't want to say from an older time because there are men like this out there it's not but I don't know if it's super common Mm. but I feel like he definitely has that sort of I don't know cowboy 
style. <laughs> he likes to hold my mom's hand. He holds my mom's hand in public. He always has to sit next to her. He always likes to sit next to her. Yeah. If there's not a spot next to her, if we go out to eat, he's just kind of like awkwardly stands there until like somebody moves. <laughs> So it's just kind of, yeah. so I didn't know not to sit next to, or like, oh, I was sitting on the other side of her, you know, because he always is right with her. And this song, a Cowboy in L.A., I don't even think this is really what the artist is like. It's just a song he came up with, but it's about, you know, holding hands, going out on dates, holding the door, you know, just kind of being that gentleman or country boy, you know? Yeah. And how that's like different compared to a lot of guys in LA, which is accurate. But if you've ever been to LA, Jeez. it's pretty accurate. Because <laughs> <laughs> in LA, uh, everybody just kind of looked the same on some level. Yeah. Like, we're, you know, everyone's like maybe trying to actively be different, but then it also just kind of meshes together. Whereas like everybody just looks, everybody is thinking about their appearance and you're just like, okay, but that's LA, you know, LA is supposed to be like that. So, cowboy in LA it's like you know just being a little different kind of standing out and still doing those old basic things that I don't really think are even really gender related just kind of a kindness because I've, I mean I've seen it with same-sex couples too you know some with someone just grows up with that mm-hmm. sort of inclination like oh I want to hold the door open for my partner I want to hold hands it doesn't have to be a gender thing you know yeah. But I like this song. I think it's a fun song. So that is my recommendation. I think that display of affection for men depends on the partner that they're with. I know that that's definitely a part of me. I can't say it's something that every partner in the past has been able to access because a lot of it, there's a lot that goes into displaying that type of vulnerability with somebody. You have to feel safe, secure. You have to feel trust in that person and at the same time, too, I feel like it's something that has to be selectively displayed and demonstrated because it's easy, again, depending on the partner you're with, to do all that stuff and then find that it is taken for granted. I know for me, I'm not doing that stuff if I know that I'm going to get taken advantage of. No. And I feel like that's the case for most men, too. Like, it's easy for us to become attached to a person. It's harder to allow ourselves to be vulnerable with that person if it doesn't seem like they don't have those three attributes. See, no, that's perfect because I think that's the difference. I think that it comes in the difference of like the cultural or sort of even just generational thing, era thing, is because I don't think it's like that for every man. Is it even a thought of vulnerability? It's just this is what I do. This is what I do for anyone I'm around as a sign of respect. So whether it be my mother, sister, daughter, even my friend, I'm going to hold the door open for my friend. It's just a respectful thing to do. And then in terms of affection, similar you know this is just what you do yeah because i know with both my parents it's they both have that well yeah so it is matched they both have that concept of like their relationship is the foundation of the family so they put a lot of effort in and and focus into that like their relationship is yeah the foundation (laughs) i don't think of another word for it uh so they're going to be affectionate and they're going to be yeah you know it makes me think about the differences like i wish I wish I had a time machine where I could go back and see if all of the newer discussions having to do with gender equality and all that stuff of now, how much would it be, or how much of a relevant conversation would it start to become if discussed back then during the time where our parents were like dating and getting into that aspect of like marriage or commitment? I wonder I wonder what it would be like, but I'm not going to go there because my brain is already overthinking too much already about what that could be like. <laughs> Um, For myself, I do have a song that reminds me of my dad. I have a whole album that reminds me of my dad. But for funny reasons, nothing too personal, nothing too in-depth. I'm going to recommend the album and the song, G-Unit, Beg for Mercy. Here's why. If you listen to the song, it is a very, very aggressive song. It's all about like shooting people, violence, killing, proving how hard you are, all that good fun stuff when it comes to hardcore rap. And the reason why I'm listening or recommending it is because of a story that I have from my adolescent days. So this was maybe around the time I was 12, 13 or 14 years old when me and my friends wanted to go out and have fun. Sometimes we stay in the neighborhood. Sometimes that wouldn't be a good idea. And when it wouldn't be a good idea or we just got bored of just staying around the area, we would go to like the mall. 
So sometimes it would be to Ford City Mall, get on the bus, and then other times it would be to River Oaks Mall. Now, there's no way to go there. At least younger me thought so at the time without getting a ride from our parents. So my dad would usually be the one that drives us out there. We would go to the mall. We would go to Toys R Us. We would go to Best Buy. We would go to Target. And I remember specifically going to the Target that used to be open in Calumet City. And I had my G-Unit CD playing in the CD player. And it was the explicit version. I thought to myself when we got there, I should probably ask my dad to pause this and eject. I did not. So me, my best friend at the time, and I think his brother, we got out, we went into the store, we just browsed around, just looked at stuff, came back out, and then I got it. <laughs> I got it. He yelled at me. He was like, hey, what is this? What is this mess you're listening to? <laughs> Who bought this for you? Did you buy this for yourself? And of course, you know, it's a little bit of embarrassment. It's like, man, you know, I'm just, I'm just listening to music I like. You don't understand me, dad. <laughs> But it reminded me so much of that time because we listen to that song, how aggressive it is. You think about it in one perspective, but sometimes music can inspire us in many different ways. And it's not just a song that you can work out to, a song you can listen to when you're angry. It's a song that can bring you fond memories. And that's what it reminds me of getting chided by my dad for listening to music that I was way too young for. <laughs> it shows that he cares, though. Yes. Very much. It was a very, very, I didn't even take it personally. It was just like one of those like bashful dance. But also it shows a little respect for you too, though, that he didn't chastise you about it in front of your car. Oh no, it was front of me. Oh, it was? Yeah. <laughs> I thought they had like left the car. <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. It was just funny. It was a funny memory. It was a bashful like, oh dang, next time I know better. And yeah, he does care. And it's just one of those funny memories that you don't often think will stay with you for a long period of time in life, and it still did. Oh, I'll have to listen to it and add it to my list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So before we end today, we got to remember to tell everybody to check out TBD Coffee. Check them out on Instagram. Check them out on Facebook. Sign up for the text updates. Remember, if you order anything off of their site, you can use our code. YTP15. YTP15. Yeah. But also, if you forget, always look at our Facebook page. We have our code on one of our posts here, or Facebook. Well, it is on Facebook and Instagram. If you are a ride or die fan from episode one, I am going to offer you a challenge to comment on one of our newer social media posts thanking Anna for creating such great content. So let us know who you are. Maybe we'll enter you in a raffle one day. Yeah, we could send you some TBD coffee. Our code is YTP15. Oh, and speaking of Instagram and Facebook, Facebook, check us out, Your Therapist Playlist. Instagram, YT underscore playlist, or just search Your Therapist Playlist. will pop up on there. We will be putting out episode nine today, our artist interview that we most recently did with Jaman. Shout out to Jamon. Uh, he just goes by Jamon, right? Yep. Jamon. So check that out. Formerly known as Meaty High or Meaty. Yeah, I don't think you mentioned that in the artist interview. That would have been helpful. He didn't. He didn't. But just in case, I want to throw that out there in case maybe listeners knew of him from other aliases. Good point. Glad you added it now. <laughs> so people, check that out. What do you got, Matt? Anything to add? Of course, you know, subscribe to us on your favorite platforms when it comes to podcasting, whether it be Apple Music, whether it be Google Play Podcast or Google Podcast, whether it be Spotify. Yeah, just find us everywhere you can and stay looking out for the latest episodes. And there will be a little, might be a delay between this episode and our next, our next episode we will be recording on the 27th. So we got a little break here. It's hopefully a plan can be a very special episode very very special episode but we shall see which is which is the reason for the break but you'll all see when we get to it you guys can't see this but anna is turning a little bit a little bit red i'm excited yeah <laughs> all right thank you everyone thank you for listening see you next time bye bye